sports for your son can be fantastic, or they can destroy his physical and mental health. How do you parent an athlete? More on that with the mom of an elite athlete after these messages. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. Want to stay up to date on the latest news and research about boys? Subscribe to Building Boys Bulletin. It's a weekly newsletter that contains inspiration and encouragement, as well as links to and highlights of relevant articles, videos, and podcasts. I comb through the news so you don't have to. Get Building Boys Bulletin delivered directly to your inbox each Monday. To subscribe, go to buildingboys.net enter your email, and click the red check mark. You'll be taken directly to the subscription page. Subscribe today so you don't miss Building Boys Bulletin. Sports can be fantastic. Or they can destroy your physical and mental health. If you watched the Olympics at all this summer, you know that the stress and strain of elite competition was a big focus this year. Simone Biles had the twisties, which was a term that many of us learned and stepped out of competition. Michael Phelps, the swimmer, he talked about his bouts with depression. And we, along with many, many parents, I'm sure, we wondered, how do you protect young athletes' physical and mental health? Is it possible for a child to attain athletic greatness without suffering? Joining us today is Jeanette Hurt. She is a Milwaukee-based mom of a talented diver and gymnast. And I know that Jeanette has been asking herself these same questions for a number of years. Welcome, Jeanette. Yes, I have. Thank you for having me. So tell us about uh, your son. Well, my son Quinn is an 11-year-old wonderkin, 
And I will go back to when I was pregnant with him, I would play a game with him called popcorn where I'd tap my belly and he would kick and punch and move around like crazy. That led to three-month-old calisthenics on his back, pumping his arms and legs. He had this intense need to move. And when he was two years old, I was looking around to see if they had any mini soccer camps, mini anything. And then I found a diaper dinosaurs gymnastics class. It was a mama and me gymnastics class. And he moved up from diaper dinosaurs to bouncing brontosaurus to swinging stegosaurus. And before I knew it, he was invited on team. I remember this very clearly because he'd always been athletic, but his two sports originally were baseball and then gymnastics. And he also loved swimming, but it wasn't sport-wise. It was splashing in the water-wise. So he joined team, and I still remember it because he was not a star that first year. He was six, and there was the this one kid who was the best kid, and then there was everybody else, but they did take first at state, but I don't know that my son contributed single st- score to it. I And I do remember when he started out, he'd be halfway through the meet, like, I'm here with my buds. This is really cool. Oh, wait, maybe I should pay attention to what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And then you could see it, like the mental switch happening. He liked doing it. He loved his teammates. And I'm like, great. He's six. I'm not expecting him to be an Olympian. Now, I will say this past year, he won two regionals in two different sports. He won gymnastics and diving. And he also, with gymnastics, that's as far as he could go with his level. But he went to nationals with diving. So there's this spontaneous, you're super proud of your kid. You want him to achieve as much as he can. You can see he's enjoying it. And part of you is simultaneously terrified because... Like, you know, and you have heard all of these stories and like you well, care about your kid as a whole. I've actually not been terrified, but I will tell you what has my journey has been. And as you know, I'm also a writer. I was working on and very particularly on a sports parenting story for Chicago Health the summer that I began to think that his gymnastics coach was abusive. He loved his teammates and they won state and they placed at regionals and he did some amazing things. But when he moved up to the next level, started working out with the older boys and this young, inexperienced coach, Quinn was starting to develop ticks. He was having a really rough time and I started watching practices And if you know anything about gymnastics, they practice 15 to 18 hours a week at that level. But I still remember, and I get this visceral reaction even now, going shopping, grocery shopping, came back maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, and Quinn runs out and says that this older boy who was the team leader, he was leading stretch, he assigned him 12 ropes for not paying attention just randomly started punishing him and I walked out of the practice and I was working on this sports parenting story and I interviewed a sports psychologist who also had been a college gymnastics coach and I described the situation and she directed me to go to safesport.com and you can really see what is considered bullying what is considered not safe sport I called them They all agreed this was not good. We walked out. We didn't come back. 
And at that time, I want to stop the for year just a moment there because uh, you know, being able to differentiate between abusive coaching versus tough coaching can be really, really hard for a lot of parents. First of all, most of us have never been elite athletes. Second of all, I think that a lot of parents who were athletes, I mean, some of this stuff was very, very, very common, right? And so what somebody may have experienced when they were an athlete or in high school doesn't necessarily mean it was healthy. No, it doesn't. And the thing is, I would always say is trust your mama gut. Your mama gut knows if something is not right. At the same time, he was having this abusive coach. He had an abusive teacher in third grade. I pulled him out of the class six weeks before the end of school. I think you gather your information and you do your research. I started looking, well, what is considered abuse or not? And let's go through some of that. What would be some red flag signs that a parent might see um, both in their child's behavior. And, you know, if you're observing a practice or um, a, a meet, a game. Well, anytime you insult a child, and I heard the coach yell, because this poor little boy, an 11 year old boy, okay, he forgot part of his routine. He got really nervous on floor. And I heard the coach yell, you're done. You're done now. And this poor little boy signals the judge and walks off. Uh, I mean, that's, that's abuse. That may not be the worst kind of abuse, but in a flip side, I'll give you an example with the new coach, Coach Mitch. He gives the boys positive nicknames like Iron Man Jack, or in Quinn's case, the Mighty Quinn. And he's always like, you can do it. And you can hear the coach cheering him on during a meet. And he's also there to say good job, even if they totally fall off the parallel bars Mm -hmm. or the high bar, which has happened to my son. Coach Mitch is not a sissy. He is really tough and he's not afraid to get down on them. If they're not working hard, he'll call them out. But it's difference between telling you you're the problem versus, hey, you're not taking enough turns. You need to be more focused or you need to be more focused. I think that's, again, a difference between constructive and not constructive Mm -hmm. criticism. Mm -hmm what helps you become better and what cuts you down as a person. And also if your kid is crying or doesn't want to go to practice, that's a sign that there's a problem either with the coach or maybe it's not the right sport or the right activity in researching my sports parenting story. This one wonderful volleyball coach talked about how there is this girl and she was so good and she had a great team and she had this wonderful experience. But the coach was very perceptive and was like, what's going on? And she's like, well, I really want to take this art class, but I can't do that in volleyball. And she was afraid of letting her dad down because he was always there cheering Mm -hmm. and supportive. And you know, of course, the coach touched with the dad, the dad was just as fine to support her in her art endeavors Mm -hmm. as he was in her sporting endeavors. And that's one of the things. And besides having to be aware and knowing the coaches and knowing that they can talk a good game, but if you see them yelling at kids in practice, and it's the one thing if they're doing something that's dangerous, or they shouldn't be sometimes coaches yell, Athletes know if the coach has their back or not, yep. and they're, they, they know. And it's one of those things where I think 
also you have to look at the fit between the coach and the athlete. My son went to an elite regional invitation only gymnastics camp at the University of Nebraska. And I asked him about the coaches because he had some coaches who coached Olympians there. And he's like, well, they're not as good as Coach Mitch is what he told me. So mm. that also tells me he's at the right place. His head diving coach understands that kids participate in different sports and activities. He doesn't preach one loyalty to sport. That's one thing I will say with the abusive coach. He talked my son out of not doing diving for the end of a season because he only wanted him to do gymnastics. His current gymnastics coach is fine. I mean, and right now my son is doing volleyball because he wants to hang out with some of his old school friends, gymnastics and diving. His coach is fine with him doing that. If he makes it up for the one and a half hours a week, he's missing a practice. And if he's focused in doing things, he's also seen other boys go and do basketball and track and other things. And he's always been supportive of them doing their activities. That's the sign also of a good coach. I want to pause here for a second because I'm thinking of all of our listeners who, you know, maybe their son's just starting out in a sport. And I talked to so many parents that, you know, he might try baseball or he might try track or basketball and then he doesn't like it. And we're talking about, you know, brand new to a sport. What is your philosophy on trying something and then stopping that thing? Well, that's a good thing because my, my son used to love baseball as much as gymnastics, if not more. But once we got into kid pitch and he got hit a couple times, he has a mental, he says to me he has a mental block and baseball is scary. Now jumping off a second story building and flipping into the water is not scary for him, but baseball is scary. So at the end of that season, we didn't do it again. Mm -hmm. I think you have to, number one, you have to give them a season. It reminds me of what his violin teacher always said. She gets her students to commit to finishing one Suzuki book so that they have a concert and they end on a high note mm. versus just, I don't like this, this is hard. I think the same thing can be applied to sports. You commit to one season. You're not gonna let your teammates down mm -hmm. until you're finished. And the time he did leave diving, I let him leave. I didn't realize it was the coach who was pressuring him, but I had him talk to the coach and just said, tell him, that he and the coach wanted to make sure it was nothing he had done and I said no and then when Quinn was ready to come back to diving he welcomed him back I think you have to also know your kid yeah they don't have to like everything but the other thing is you know you can't just throw your kid on a baseball team if you're not going to play catch in the backyard that's something my husband was really good at you can't just have them do gymnastics if you're not there to cheer them on or to ask them what they're doing and be interested and inquisitive. Or if you're not so, going to be willing to let him do handstands and cartwheels in the house, that's going yes, to be part of it. Yes, it's going to be part of it. So is jumping off the roof of the garage. <laughs> and we're allowed to do that the safe way, but not the unsafe way. This is um, boy parenting advanced level stuff. Before yes. most of us had boys, we did not know we would ever need to differentiate between safely jumping off the garage and unsafely jumping off the garage. Speaking of things about parenting boys, I think one of the misconceptions, I think a lot of 
new boy parents have, especially if they didn't have brothers or lots of exposure to males growing up is, you know, sometimes what is athletic in a three-year-old, it's not going to be, you know, my son doing these crazy things. Athletic in a three-year-old is terrorizing the story to local story times because he has so much energy. And I always told my son, well, your superpower is your energy. You have so much of it. And I saw that as athleticism. So I was like, well, I got to put this two-year-old in something. So we signed up for gymnastics. And then as soon as I found a three-year-old baseball, little bats, we did that. Whatever he was interested in, we tried. One of the questions that, that I have, and I think it's a challenge for a lot of families, whether or not you think about it, is it can be a pretty fine line between watching your kid and following and supporting your kid's interest and keeping your parental enthusiasms under control. And what I mean by that is like the example of the, the daughter who felt like she'd be letting her dad down if she gave up volleyball. And I think we have all heard of cases where, you know, you're at the sidelines and boy, it seems like this dad is way more invested in his kid being a football star than that boy is. I have seen that. I still remember very much Quinn was at this four-year-old baseball camp and there's the father going, you can do it. And Peter was running to third base. Um, that's the excessive. I've also seen parents pay their kids $10 for getting a score of a 10 at a meet or rewarding things that are really arbitrary. I think number one, you have to kind of follow your kid's vein of gold. Julia Cameron in one of her books, The Vein of Gold, talks about finding your vein of gold creatively. I think everybody has strengths and talents. And one of your jobs as a parent is to see what your kids are and kind of let your kid do the driving, so to speak. My son wanted to try baseball, so we did it. This fall, he wants to do volleyball. So we're going to do volleyball. But it's his being interested and driving. I mean, I'm always there to cheer him on, and I cheer very loudly for him and all of his teammates. And what I've always done with my son, we've set goals. And the thing is, again, it's him driving. It's him deciding what he wants to do. And he was telling me, you know what, Mama, my goal is to win all around at regionals. And I, I told him, great, that's a good goal to have. And I support him in it. I talked to him about setting goals and what you need to do in terms of breaking it down. But whether win, lose, or draw, I still, I love him just the same. And he's not just an athlete. He's my son. He's more than just his ability in sport. As a parent, you have to take your ego out of it. They're 11-year-old boys. They're not Olympians. And Olympians fall off of things. And look at what happened with Simone Biles. She got the twisties. Exactly. you got to give your kids a break. And that's the other thing. If they screw up, you got to be there to support them. This one sports parenting book called Hey Sports Parents, one of the best things one of the authors said is, you know, the time to go out for ice cream is not when they win the game, but maybe when they lose. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you don't tie rewards into performance. The act of doing the sport itself is a reward. 
this is so relevant, not just to sports, but to so many things. If you have a kid who is a high flyer, and by that, I mean, you know, really advanced or achieving in any, any realm, whether it's art, academics, uh, mechanically inclined, whatever, it's easy to, as a parent or a grandparent or an educator, like this kid is so advanced in this realm. So you think that you can treat them almost like older than they are because your 11 year old son, he can do things with his body that most 11 year olds can't. That's, you know, people in their twenties and thirties, a lot of them can't do, but at the same time, he's an 11 year old boy. So he is likely in many ways, you know, emotionally, um, organizational challenged. Uh, he's got the whole early puberty mess going on too. I hear from parents all the time, how bath time can be such an ordeal and yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. The thing is, is he's my kid. I enjoy talking with him before bed and he asks deep questions as much as I do watching him. He sets the goals. I support him. And if he ever wanted to walk away, that's fine. What I have always found in life, if you pursue a goal, like for example, for me personally, I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. That eventually led to freelance writing. That led to cookbook writing. And I write about beverages. Those are my veins of gold. But there's a really good book I read. The The book is called the deciding decade, how the decisions you make in your 20s affect the rest of your life or can. And one of the points it talks about is you don't just come up with a plan and then it happens and you follow it and that's how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, you set goals, but what happens is usually goal A turns into goal B and things evolve. Yep. And I think that's how you teach your kids to just start out on the path where they're interested. I also encourage people to go after their shiny things, you know, kind of like 
like the dogs are with squirrels, like, oh, there's a squirrel. (laughs) Well, that's kind of how I've written every book. I'm curious about something. So I write a couple articles and then I think, well, maybe this will make a book. And that's kind of how it's worked for me as an author and as a writer. And I think that's how careers evolve. Mm -hmm. You try something and it's sort of a fit, but not quite. And you keep trying and then you figure things out. Also, I think you look at, well, what are your, what were your interests when you were seven years old? People always say, and I liked cooking for my dog and I liked reading books. I love cooking and developing recipes and I love to write. I think you also look at, well, what are your kids' superpowers? Everybody has a superpower. The superpower isn't necessarily your life purpose, but it's tangentially related to what you should be doing. And you should be in a career and your kids should be in activities where they can use their superpowers. Like if they're really focused, if they're really creative, whatever it is. As you're talking about all of this, I'm, I'm thinking about the families out there that, you know, they may have one child who is Uh, very much into sports, very athletic, and like they're following their vein of gold. That's awesome. But they are, there's also three other kids in the family. And there's the parents that have their jobs and their lives. And talk to those families about how you balance this amazing capability that one child has, and maybe the others are kind of like not so interested in really anything. How do you balance that family dynamic and keep a keep a healthy kind of work sports life balance for the whole family? I'm thinking about this one gymnastics family. I know they have four kids, including a special needs kid. They also have a very, very talented gymnast who went to nationals. And one of the things that they do is some of the older kids, they are more into academics or music. Let their kids all try different activities. And sometimes it takes a while. You try something and it's not quite what you're interested. Parents need to be detectives and sort of see, well, what are their natural bents? And I'm not talking about playing video games But what are some of the things and appreciating what makes each child unique? Because everybody has it, has something that makes them really unique. And my mom did a really good job of that with my, my sisters and myself. I was more into writing. My one sister was into acting. And then my other sister liked a whole bunch of things. But the one thing she ended up, and she ended up taking over the family business and financial planning and tax preparation because when she was... When she was like six years old, she would listen in on the phone with my mom and she would say, well, mom, what do you mean by tax backed mortgage funds or something weird? And my sister, Julie, and I never paid attention, but Karen paid attention to that. My mom didn't encourage her to join the family business or anything. She just encouraged her to explore her interests, which were politics. And then she got into sales. And then she realized she really liked finance. It wasn't as a parent, but she just encouraged her to enjoy the process. Mm. And I think that's the other thing parents forget. Kids are supposed to try things. I mean, there are some skills I think are important before you launch them to college or work or trade school. Outside of that, they should be trying dozens of different things. I most definitely did not and do not have elite athletes, but I have four children. 
which is if you have any kind of a traditional family that is more children than parents and yes. especially once you get divorced and sometimes it's you and four children and there would be times Janet when I would have three kids doing a sport in three different locations at the same time clearly this is impossible right I have not figured out how to beat time and space, no time travel machines. So for us, a very key thing was, you know, yes, I was divorced, but they still have a dad. So he would do one with one. I would do one with the other. You get to know the other families who are involved and it becomes this, it's a support group emotionally and logistically because I could not do it without relying on other parents. I could not be everywhere. So sometimes I would say, hey, can you give so-and-so a ride? And they would do that. And sometimes I would do that. Yeah. And as you develop those relationships with other parents, certainly they're willing to do more than just give your kid a ride. If your kid gets hurt, guess what? They're going to be there and they're going to be texting you and they're going to be calling you. And the mm-hmm. bonus of all of this is that you're getting to know the other parents and you get their phone numbers so that later when these kids are like, hey, can I go to so-and-so's house and stay over? You know those people. <laughs> Well, I think that you brought up a great topic about sports, parents, and becoming one of, I never realized I'd be a gymnastics and diving mom. It's a close-knit group. I am still close with the moms of Quinn's former team. I still get invited to family parties, and I'm now very close with some of the other gymnastics moms at Quinn's new gym. I know who he's friends with, and I'm thinking about not just single moms, but moms who have crazy work schedules. Yeah, Those are the practical supports that getting to know other can still be friendly with sports parents, even if I disagree with them. The whole thing is, you know your kid, and you also need to keep as balanced as you can. And gymnastics and is one of those things. I mean, my son's doing 18 hours a week of gymnastics and he's doing three hours of diving. And right now he's substituting one and a half hours of gymnastics for one hour of volleyball a week. That's a lot. And not every kid is built that way or would want to do that. I only do it because my son really, really wants to do it. I think that's the other thing. I know different sports parents handle it differently. Like I know with gymnastics, who which requires a lot of hours, I know some parents at the end of the season, they always ask their kid, are you still interested or not? Mm-hmm. The one thing we haven't talked about, which probably would be good, is to talk about sports injuries because that can happen in any sport. And it can also happen on the playground. Mm-hmm. My my niece fell off the monkey bars and broke yeah, her wrist. My wrists. kid did that and broke his arm. Some of it is paying attention. I've always been one where I approach health from holistically. We go to his our regular doctors for some things, and we also go to more complementary medicine for other things. He sees a chiropractor pretty regularly. He sees a massage therapist. He also sees his regular doctor. We see an acupuncturist if he needs to. He is very body aware. So you have shared so much wisdom today. And I just want to recap some of the main points that I got from talking to you. And I was trying to count. I don't know if you could see me doing that. Number one, know your kid. 
know your kid, follow your kid, let your kid lead, maintain balance. Sports cannot be your child's whole life. And it definitely cannot be your family's whole life. Once it starts tipping to all sports, you may need to recalibrate. Take care of your health. You were talking about your child's health. That's going to apply to you and your family's overall health and well-being as well. Keep your ego out of it, parents. This is your kids. You are there. You're the support team. You are the logistics. You are the emotional support. Not about you. And this was my favorite. Trust your mama gut. I think trust your mama gut applies to parents everywhere. And that's what I always tell moms of newborn babies. That's the only advice I ever give them. As I said, trust your mama gut, you know, and you got this. Because I think that's something especially new moms need to hear. You got this and you know what is right for your child. It's easy for us as parents to doubt that. And especially when your kid ends up going along a track that you're maybe not familiar with, such as athletics or the elite athletic path, you start thinking, well, maybe the coaches know better than I do. Not true. Trust your mama gut. You know your child. You know your family. Jeanette, thank you so much for being with us and sharing the inside view of what it's like to be uh, the mama of an elite athlete. And uh, where can our listeners learn more about you and all your books? Well, my my website is my name, JeanetteHurt.com. And you can find my books anywhere books are sold. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about a subject that is is near and dear to my heart. And it's my son. I wanted to also just tell parents, you know, besides trusting yourself, know that this is the most important job you're going to do. Trust yourself and also forgive yourself when you make mistakes. Because I felt so bad that I didn't immediately take my son out of the gym and out of the classroom when I had the first inklings. But I kept watching and I kept trying and researching and then I eventually pulled the plug. But I had to forgive myself for not doing it earlier. I think you have to remember you're not going to do this parenting thing perfectly. But if you care, you're going to get more things right than you do wrong. Amen, sister. Thanks again for joining us. If you liked this conversation, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget, Building Boys Bulletin can help you understand boys in your own home and men and boys globally, what's happening in the world for them. So go to buildingboys.net and click on the subscribe button and you will have an amazing email in your inbox every Monday. Thank you for joining us. I am Janet Allison of Boys Alive, and my co-host is Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net.